Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to the 28th episode of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. Kevin, we have two teams that were on a path. They met in the Cotton Bowl this past Saturday, and now they are trending in vastly different directions. The University of Texas off the heels of a historic 49 win, 49-0 win against the University of Oklahoma is wondering, are they back? Can they compete for a Big 12 championship? Can they somehow get into the college football playoff? And the University of Oklahoma on the other side of that loss is wondering, can we salvage a season? What do you think? Real quick, right off the top of the show, is Texas ready to live up to these expectations? Well, first off, let me go ahead and just scratch that whole college football playoff thing. Dude, it's all – wait, oh, hold on, hold on. This no. is all – this no. is Texas fan. This is Texas – all no, over no, Twitter. No. Kevin, all over Twitter. You're over-exaggerating. And I know what over. you're trying to do here. Listen, all over Twitter, they're saying the reason – you know, if we'd have had Quinn, we'd had a better chance against Alabama. And without Quinn different. – And without Quinn – we couldn't beat T- or Texas Tech in Lubbock. So, you know, when they start to look at it, if they run the, if Texas runs the table and wins the Big 12, they are in the conversation. So are you telling me your fan base is wrong? That's what I need to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not on that playoff thing yet. Come on now. No. Now, listen. Now, yeah. if Quinn yeah. wouldn't have gotten hurt, that's, that's different, right? Because I think they would have beaten Alabama. It's they could have beaten Texas Tech, right? You would you would think so. He he could be the difference in a game like that. It came down to overtime, but again, who cares, right? They didn't. They lost to Alabama. They lost to Texas Tech. Now the Big Twelve thing, I think they have a chance to make that happen. But the college football playoff, I am completely not on that bandwagon yet at all. Uh, so let that be known. Here's the only thing I'll say is Texas is in a crazy unique position that if they were to run the table and they have the Quinn Ewers argument in their back pocket, Texas is one of the very, very few handful of schools that would be given the benefit of the doubt to get in the CFP. The CFP wants Texas so badly. ESPN and Fox or whoever wants, wants Texas so badly to get to the college football playoff, that you, your school would get the benefit of the doubt if there was any chance. I just find it hard to believe, though, a two-loss team is is made. It, it's so rare, even for the college football playoff. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so much that has to happen. First of all, Texas has to handle their business, right? And they still have the toughest part of their schedule ahead of them. They got to go to Stillwater, go to Manhattan. They still got to play TCU, which is in Austin. But still, I mean, we've seen what they've been able to do offensively so far this season and they play a tough Baylor team to end the season. So long way to go before, you know, we start talking college football playoff or, you know, even big 12 championships. We're going to get into the game against Iowa state here in a second. But I think the the question is, can Texas live up to these expectations, right? That's, that's the ultimate question is 
This is the first time in our Sarkeesian area, Sarkeesian era, to have expectations. We saw what it did to Tom Herman. It broke him and broke his teams. Is Sarkeesian different? Is this team different? Man, you know, I have no idea. That's a crazy thing. I- I'm nervous about that, right? I think they do a really good job of playing the underdog role. When they go up against teams like Bama, they bring their best. They brought their best, at least for uh, – three quarters against OU last year. They were really good against OU this year, even though they were a favorite as far as the betting lines go. But that's what remains to be seen. And I'm curious to see. I think Sark has done a pretty good job of getting his message across. Of We just got to worry about ourselves week to week and, and you know, focus on how we prepare. But we'll see, you know, and, and this week will be a, a nice indication of that, especially next week. We'll know a lot more after they play Oklahoma State next week. Six games in, where is Bijan at in the Heisman Trophy race? Is he being talked about enough yet? Is he even on anybody's radar? You know, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't. Um, I think he, he needs to have a huge game. Like, say they play against Oklahoma State next week. If that becomes a big game, if Texas wins, Oklahoma State beats TCU to remain undefeated. That becomes a big game. Say he has a 200-plus yard rushing game against them then perhaps he gets into the conversation. But no, um, all I'm hearing is about the same quarterbacks, Bryce Young and especially C.J. Stroud. Yeah, people love C.J. Stroud right now. They do. Um, here's the thing, though, right? When it comes to the Heisman, you know, Kyler Murray wasn't really on anyone's radar until late into the season, right? The way he finished the season, the game against West Virginia up in Morgantown that got OU into the Big 12 championship game. And then his performance against Texas is really what put him over the top. Listen, if he can get some big games, if Texas can continue to win um, and get those prime viewing spots back, that's what he needs. He needs the eyeballs. He's got to have the the late night game, the big noon game. Um, you know, because y'all are at eleven, y'all are at eleven o'clock, and we're at eleven o'clock. What channel are y'all on? You know, I don't even know what channel it's on yet. Um, I know it's not like the big noon thing. That's Michigan and Penn State. So, yeah, you mean ESPN or Fox Sports One? You know, but those aren't those aren't going to do those that eleven a.m. when it's not on the big noon. I just it's a it's a bad slot. Yeah. You're right. If Oklahoma, I mean, listen, if Oklahoma State can win and y'all can win, you've got you're in serious contention for a game day next week. Yeah, in Stillwater, it'll be in Stillwater. But yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that just puts so much so much spotlight on the program. And I think if Bijan can get some spotlight, I still think he's he's got an opportunity. On the flip side of the Boomer Bebo podcast, Oklahoma reeling after three straight conference losses. 500. Um, it's it's been a, it's been a lot uh, to be an Oklahoma fan this past week. Um, we're. All eyes are on Dylan Gabriel, hoping he's going to be back. It's even with the thought that he's going to be back. I'm still shocked that Oklahoma is as big a favorite. They're coming in at a nine point favorite. We're going to break down the game later and what to expect from Kansas. But as far as Oklahoma goes, I don't know, man. I I still think they're reeling. The defense still is playing tentative or scared, or they just don't know what they're doing. And it's creating indecision. Offensively, we've completely lost our identity, uh, especially the last two games. I know they're not having a quarterback and blah, blah, blah. But 
you think you could lean heavy on a run or whatever. It's uh, it's a concerning place to be for Oklahoma. And I think Kansas, which any other year in the last 15 years would be the the best opportunity to have to bounce back against a team like Kansas. And that is not the case this year. They are a legit team. And I think it's going to be a legit test for Oklahoma. And I am nervous about it. Very, very nervous about it. Yeah, you know, I was um going back and rewatching some of the highlights from Saturday, as you would expect a Texas fan to do. But, you know, I thought OU's defensive performance, they did a couple, you wouldn't tell by the score, right? But they did a couple things that I noticed. They did a three deep safety look, which is kind of the system that Iowa State runs. And what they did do, they were able to take away the deep shots that Texas likes to take, right? To Xavier Worthy and uh, down the field, right? I mean, the problem was, though, Texas was able to destroy them underneath. Yes. What Texas does, though, is Sark gives you so many different looks, and he runs so many different things out of a similar look. So it, it kind of creates chaos, right? It makes indecision for the safeties. It puts them in a bad spot. So um, maybe that's a sign that things are improving, at least on the back end, being able to give up, not give up the big shots. Because the t- TCU, they were coverage bus all day. Guys are running down the field wide open. You didn't see that against Texas. Texas is kind of no. the intermediate stuff. Listen, I agree with you. And my assessment coming out of the Texas game was that Oklahoma, to, I, I felt like from the, from the trained eye of a Boomer Bebo podcast host, I felt like they said, we are going to dumb this defense down. We're going base, base defense, no busts, no big plays keep everything in front of us, almost like a prevent defense. I know it wasn't quite that, but but it felt like that. Yeah. And I do think it helped us not have the busts, but there was just zero, zero pressure on the quarterback, Kevin. Quinn Ewers looked, I, I said this in the last episode, I'm going to say it again, looked like he was in a 7v7 drill and just getting to sit back and pick a, pick people apart. Um, for you know, when you have a freshman quarterback like that, you've got to put pressure on him. You've got to make him uncomfortable, dude. You got to plant his butt in the dirt, and that never happened. It never happened, and I don't know if that was part of the game plan. Was we're just going to contain him and not let let him get beat? You, we can't do that against Kansas. This kid that's coming in against Kansas, we'll go over his stats. He's good enough. In addition to the Iowa State game, though, and in addition to the Kansas game. Kevin, this week's slate of games is fantastic. We have got some unbeaten matchups. We've got some highly ranked matchups. I am really, really excited about this week of games. And we're only picking one, and I think it's going to be pretty tough to pick. But talking about the big noon kickoff, Penn State at Michigan. Michigan is a seven-point favorite, battle of the unbeatens. What do you think about that matchup? Oh, I mean, I think it's a great matchup, right? I mean – Michigan's look really good this season. They've got the their freshman quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, who's making plays for them. Uh, their running back, uh, Blake Coram, has had a really good season so far. Penn State has kind of surprised people, right? They just keep winning and winning and winning. They're climbing up the rankings. So I think it's another big test for Michigan. They've been able to handle all their tests so far, but I don't know. This one will be tough. Doesn't it just feel like a game, though, where the coach for Penn State, James Franklin, is going to screw it up? Man, he can do that at times, right? He's got that kind of Tom Herman in him. He's got the – that's exactly – he's got Tom Herman in him, and 
he he just seems like he does weird stuff in these big games. And, you know, Penn State for, is what they are, I think, you know, and I, I don't know. Everybody, everybody's to me in my entire life has always overvalued Penn State. And then with everything they went through, you know, whatever that was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it, um, it really devalued them as a program. I think between Bill O'Brien and now James Franklin, they, they brought Penn State back to kind of where they were. But I still think they're an overrated program. I don't think they're a blue blood. Do you? They're not on a blue blood no, list, are they? No, uh-uh. I mean, um, they're right outside of it, though. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, they are. They, they've been a cons- they're a consistently good team, but it's this yeah. game where they always fall short. And so, if Penn State was to was to upset Michigan, um, I would take notice. But I, I kind of feel like Michigan's going to hold on. Uh, another really good game in the and I didn't know I was going to say this. Uh, my buddy in Dallas, his wife. Uh, it went to Illinois. Her whole family's Illinois fans. He's telling me this week they're ranked, and I can't believe that. To think Illinois is ranked just blows my mind. But Minnesota, though, playing at Illinois is is giving six and a half, meaning Minnesota is the favorite at Illinois by six and a half. I don't know a lot about either of these teams, but the fact that Illinois is ranked just blew my mind. Well, they've got a good running back. This is Minnesota, the Mohammed Ibrahim kid. Last year, he ran for like almost 200 yards against Ohio State. In the first game of the season, he ended up getting injured in that game and missing the rest of the season. So he's back. He's had a good start to the season. He's actually been injured again. But if he's back, I'm not sure if he is, but if he is, he can be in for a big um, for a big game. But Brett Bielema, remember him, from a former Wisconsin oh. coach and Arkansas coach. It's got that program really going in the right direction. It's been cool to see yeah, I really thought he was going to be better at Arkansas, but it just, I don't know if it was Styles or he was from up north and they're down south. I, I don't know if it was geographic or what, but man, he he failed miserably. Um, probably the biggest game of the weekend, Bama, the favorite by seven at Tennessee. If we end up picking this one, I'm telling you, I love Tennessee in this situation. I think they're at home. They are aching to beat a Bama team. Bama's bruised. Bama should have lost maybe to AM last weekend. I, I don't know. I, I'm leaning heavy, heavy lean to Tennessee. What do you think? Well, it's they got a 15 game losing streak to Alabama. So it, I think it's time. Are, are streaks made what are you saying? Streaks are made to be are streaks made to be broken? Is that- exactly. It's it's time, right? And they're getting Bama at the perfect time. Even if Bryce Young plays, he's not healthy. Can they get pressure on him? Texas was able to get pressure on him. Can they make him uncomfortable? Can they hit him? Right? Well, that that, real quick. Well, that's what I was going to say is, yes, can they get to him? But on the the flip side, offensively, Tennessee can look a lot at like what Texas did because y'all really exposed Bama from a defensive standpoint. And I think Tennessee's offense is better. Like, they are a very, very good offense. Heupel has got them clicking. That quarterback is big time. Yeah. And I don't know. I just love Tennessee in this in this matchup. Um, Oklahoma State undefeated at TCU. TCU, though, the four-point favorite. What do you think about the matchup in Fort Worth? I love this matchup, right? I mean, TCU's offense has been crazy explosive. 
we talked about Quentin Johnson before the OU game, right? He didn't have a big game that week, but he busted out last week against Kansas. 14 receptions, two, over 200 yards receiving. So I think he's going to be in for another big game. Oklahoma State's defense has been okay overall. I know they lost their coordinator, uh, Jim Knowles, to Ohio State. But the defense has been pretty good. But, man, that's a huge test for them on the road. I think what it's going to come down to is, you know, are we going to continue to see this good version of Spencer Sanders that we've seen so far this year, right? He's protecting the football. You know, he usually has that one turnover that comes at a horrible time. He hasn't been doing that this season. People protect the football. People would have said the same thing about Max Duggan, though, you know, that – that Max Duggan has shown potential for four years, and he's finally starting to live up to that. I think this is a fascinating matchup. Clearly, the winner, it's a news alert, the winner is is putting themselves in the best position for the Big 12 championship game, but the loser's not going to be out. I don't know. I don't, you know, when you see a, when you see a favorite of minus four, what they're really saying is it's a pick them on a neutral site. And I'm not even sure which way I'd go. Uh, another just interesting game that is a pick is Arkansas at BYU. Uh, Clemson is only getting three and a half or only giving three and a half at Florida State. Mississippi State is a four point favorite at Kentucky. I don't know. That's one that I think we might not pick that one, Kevin, but I really like I really like Kentucky in that game. Yeah, Kentucky blowing that game against South Carolina, though. You can't lose that game if you're Kentucky. If you're trying to have the type of season that you're dreaming about having, right? Contending in the SEC East, and you can't lose to South Carolina. Like now, is there is there is Kentucky's quarterback hurt? I believe I think he may have been hurt, Levis, but I'm not sure. Um, and then the nightcap prime time on ABC, every Sooners favorite, USC at Utah. Utah's a three and a half point favorite. I have never. Re- I'm going to go buy a Utah shirt and just wear it on Saturday. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't want to bring them any bad luck. I really hope they stop this run of Lincoln Riley. It, it is literally just continuing to be uh, insult upon, you know, injury to insult every single week that we lose and they win. And it just is driving me crazy. But the problem is USC is good. That is the problem with the whole thing yeah. is that it's yeah. it, the smoke and mirrors is over. They're actually a good team. They've proven they're a good team. But this has been the team, Kevin. Utah and the way Utah plays is very much, very much in the Baylor mode, in the Iowa State mode, and even in the K State mode. They're very physical, disciplined, and these are the teams that Lincoln Riley has had trouble with. I hope he has trouble again this week. The look you're giving me right now on this YouTube cast says I'm wrong. What do you think? No, actually, this if there's a game that they can lose, this is the one. It's a road game. That crowd is going to be insane. You know, um, one of those big primetime games. We've seen it. It's been a bit of a disappointment so far with two losses already for Utah, but they're going to be looking to bounce back. They lost to UCLA last yeah, week. UCLA is also undefeated, right? But they're going to be looking to bounce back, and, and they're going to bring it on, on Saturday. So I think it's going to be a great game, one that Utah could easily win. But, no, it's going to be a big test for, for Lincoln Riley. If they win this one, though, I mean – Look out. Well, USC can pull this one off. I tell you, if they win this one, I mean, uh, undefeated, un, the, 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 their last, well, they still have to play Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's kind of settled some things. Better. They're getting better. 
Yeah. Um, You'd have to play UCLA as well. UCLA, and then would they play Oregon? Or would they only play Oregon in, a, in an SEC or in a Pac-12 championship? Yeah, only be in the, in, the, in a conference championship game. I, yeah, there's no Oregon on the schedule this year. God, it, it, it sets up. It sets up for them. Yeah, it, it really does. All right, so here's the deal, right? We're going to pick one. I'm going to pick the three. I'm going to give you the three that we're going to choose from. I'll let you choose the three unbeaten games. Penn State at Michigan, Bama at Tennessee, Oklahoma State at TCU. What game you want to pick? Let's go Bama and Tennessee. Um, I'll tell you what, dude. I'm taking Rocky Top. I am taking Rocky Top, and I'm taking them as an outright win. I think they win the game. I love, I love Tennessee in this matchup. I think they've got Bama where they want them. I think they're playing with an incredible level of confidence. They have beaten some good teams, not great teams, but they've beaten some good teams. They've handled their business. They're explosive, and they've got the defense to back them up. And Bama is down. This has all the makings of an upset win. Rocky Top, who do you got? I got Alabama. What? This is hard for me to do, right? Oh, my gosh. Here's why. I I like Tennessee. I love what Hype was doing. I was high on them before the season even started. But you've got – real quick, I just want to clarify. You've got Bama winning by more than seven because the line is seven. Here's why. I think – that this is just a game that Saban's gonna just kind of take hyper to school a little bit. And I think those edge rushers are gonna explode this week. Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, I think they're gonna have huge games. And it's gonna lead to I think it's gonna be very close, but I think it's gonna be kind of like the Texas game was, even though the spread's gonna be a little bit bigger, but I think they're gonna make a couple plays late to pull away in the end. Wouldn't surprise me. And I actually hope Tennessee wins the game. Cause Uh-oh. Well, listen. I respect the balls. Tennessee is the only school in Orange I will even root. For, I will even think about rooting for. Makes sense. I got that. Like there is, there is no not another Oregon State, Illinois. No love for Oregon mm-hmm. State. No love for Syracuse. I hate Florida. Um, uh, is this just because of 08, or is that something deeper than that? I just don't like Florida. I never liked Florida. Okay. Even when I was a kid, I would kind of root for Florida State. I don't like Miami. Miami's got orange. I've never really rooted for the uh, Illinois in the orange. Even in basketball, I never liked any of their basketball teams. I don't even know what other orange teams are out there. I even had a hard time rooting for the Phoenix Suns back in the day, although I could kind of come around sometimes. But orange is just a tough color. Did you like Barkley? No, I didn't like Barkley. You know why? Because he beat our Spurs. Because freaking the whole whole Alamo Dome knew they were going to Barkley. Right? They knew it. Make somebody else beat you. Kevin, make somebody else beat you. Him was fair arena, actually. That was was the last game in the arena, yeah. Oh, of course mm-hmm. it was. Shout out to Robinson. Freaking believable. Yeah, so, it was so. a shot of Derby Robinson. And they should have triple teamed him. Makes make yep. you make somebody else beat you in that situation. I, I don't understand that about the NBA sometimes. Um listen, I owe a ginormous apology to our lead sponsor, title sponsor, Brown O'Haver Public Insurance Adjusters. Kevin, I was so out of it uh, from Oklahoma's loss. And you were so fired up that both of us forgot to give a shout out to Brown O'Haver. And um, so I want to make sure and give them a lot of love in this episode. Uh, Alice Young, the owner, was working from home today 
and it was around 4.30, she was she started screaming, which is not like an unusual thing for Alice to do, but she was screaming in, in joy and excitement. And I was like, what is going on? And she's like, we just got one of our clients paid on their claim. She's like, we got them paid $6,500. Now, I, I don't know how to like say this. I don't want to be weird about this, but that is not one of our larger claims. Okay. We typically do much larger claims that involve full houses being destroyed or a business being destroyed or whatever the case may be. But she is super excited. And I'm like, what is going on? Why are you so fired up about this? And she said, because number one, our client needs it. They need this money in order to finish the work that they need to get done at their house. I said, okay. And she says, and number two, I wanted to win more than I've ever wanted to win against another adjuster. And guess what? We got it. We got the win. And she said, I don't care about all the big wins we've had this year. This one means more than anything because I hate losing. I thought there was an opportunity where I might lose and I could not stomach it if we did. And we didn't and we won and we got our client paid. She was so fired up. She was so excited. And I tell you that story, Kevin, and I say it to all our listeners. It doesn't matter the size of your claim. Yes, we want big claims. We're going to continue to work big claims and we're going to continue to get our clients a lot of money for those claims that they work, that they, uh, that they sign us up for. But even if it's a small claim, it doesn't matter. We are going to put every ounce of effort we can into getting our clients paid and to see the excitement on our boss's face, my wife's face over getting a client paid $6,500 and knowing what it meant for that client. It was a great win for uh, Brown O'Haver. And I just wanted to apologize to Brown O'Haver for not giving him the shout out. But at the same time, I'm excited for you guys for getting this big win for the client. And um, it's just a great part. It's really, really fun when we're able to do that for our clients and get them the money that they deserve from their insurance claim. So if you're out there and you've had a loss, 405-735-5510, Brown O'Haver. Kevin, there was some big news dropped on the Oklahoma front. And it came in the form of alternate uniforms. Does Texas freak the freak out when they play in an alternate uniform? Does Texas fan freak the freak out or do they like it? You know, I couldn't tell you because, okay, we've had alternate uniforms, but they're only throwback unis. For example, it'll be the larger numbers with no Texas on there. The helmet will be a little bit different. So it'll have the helmet and the jersey number. Yeah, but we, to my knowledge, Texas has never worn an actual alternate uniform. Okay, so it's that sentiment right there that drives that drives an OU fan crazy, and apparently, it has something to do with an age range around like thirty. Everybody thirty and younger seems to freaking love the alternate uniforms. They get so yeah. fired up. Everybody thirty and older, which I fall supremely in that category, freaking hates it. But more than that is, is we always associate the alternate uniforms with, with bad games. If you look at it historically, our record is just fine. There's no difference in our record from a percentage standpoint. But it just we remember some of those really bad losses. But more to the point, Kevin, I always thought our alternate unis over the last five or six years have simply been ugly. I hated them. They were the Rough Rider uniforms, and I thought they were stupid. It never made any sense to me. 
I don't even know where this rough rider thing comes from for Oklahoma. I hated it. They were ugly. I, I thought that the cream and the red looked funny. I just never liked it. But these OU alternate uniforms are anthracite, which apparently if you're under 30 is a cool way of saying black. But these are black uniforms, and they are freaking sweet, and I love them. And I got to tell you, I'm fired up for it. We need a change. Oklahoma needs a change. We need something different. I think we're going to get it in these uniforms. You've seen the uniforms. Do you like them? I do like the uniforms, yeah. You know, I don't understand the – and look, I'm 39 years old, right? But the old heads that just flip out about it. Listen, the recruits like them. If this helps attract young, talented athletes to your campus, then so be it. It's one game. It's not like you're scrapping the crimson and cream and going to permanently wear anthracite uniforms, right? It's one listen. game. Who cares? Ohio State does it. They're blue blood. Who cares? I freaking listen. This uniform is freaking sweet. But even that, I think it's really cool why they're doing it. So you know what? You know yeah. the back. You know the background, right? So yeah. this is this is a Prentice got, uh, kind of like a memorial uniform. And for those that don't know, Prentice got was the first African American football player on scholarship at the University of Oklahoma. And one of the first, if you consider Oklahoma in the South, maybe one of the first in the South, like in the entire South of the Mason-Dixon line. We're talking 1956. He played from 1956 to 1959. Was an all Big Eight player. Played six years in the NFL. Was a really, really good football player. And by all accounts, an even better guy. Ends up getting a PhD in psychology. It serves in leadership for the Big Eight Conference and later on in the Big 12 Conference. And I got to tell you, man, this is an opportunity to to recognize the good that sports does. Sports brings good to our society. Okay, it's the reason why, as a parent, I want my kids to play sports because it teaches them lessons, perseverance, fair play, all those things that you want your kid to be when they grow up. That's what sports teaches them. In the same vein. This is an opportunity to say, hey, sports has had something that maybe society hasn't had at large, correct, but sports has had it going on now for a very long time. And that's this idea of inclusion, this idea of meritocracy. It's not, it shouldn't be about where you came from or what you look like. It should be about whether you help your team win or lose. Prentice God helped our team win. And once we started winning with African-American players, we, oh, the University of Oklahoma never looked back. Same thing with Texas. Yeah. Same thing with every school. Texas, and I will say it took Texas quite a while longer before they started. 1970 you know, having, for Texas. Yeah. 1970. One of, the, one of the last schools in the country, by the way. And that's after winning a national championship in 1969 was an all-white roster. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't matter. The point, I, the point I, I'm not picking on Texas. The point I'm just trying to make is if, if kids can see a uniform – and still get fired up that, that that's what this means, then I think something like that's important. Am I am I being a little too sentimental about this, or what no, do you think? Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's for a reason. It's for a cause. It can bring a spark. You know, why not? Dude, listen. Not? I think, a great message. I think the answer side looks great. And here's the, th- here's the here's my last point on the uniforms. OU needs a change. They need a change. Whether it's uniforms or play calling 
or whatever. I don't – defensive call. It doesn't matter. They need to change because they're going up against a Kansas team, Kevin, that is going to bring it. All right. Let me let me throw you let me throw you off some stuff here. Their quarterback, tell me if Oklahoma has seen this in the last three games. Not against Texas, but against K-State and against um TCU. TCU. They've seen a quarterback that this is their fifth year playing. Well, guess what? They get to go up against Jason Bean. Even though he's the second string quarterback this year, this is his fifth year playing college football. He's seen what it like what it takes to play this game. He's playing really well. He played very, very well against TCU. Yes, he and, was not the reason they lost that game. And I got to tell you, the fact that he fits that same mold as Adrian Martinez and Max Duggan scares the crap out of me because that is not what we need to face this year, this week. And and this is their backup. And I think this is the reason why the line's at minus nine. But I don't really even care. I am freaking the freak out about this dude because we saw him last year against that better Oklahoma team look really good. And it's freaking me out. Against TCU, he went for 16 for 24, 262 yards, 66.7% completion percentage, four touchdowns, one interception, with a quarterback rating of 205. That is not the quarterback Oklahoma wants to go up against this no, week. That's pretty impressive. That is very, especially to come off the bench like that. It's not like he prepped to be the starter that week. Um, and Daniels gets injured, and then he gets thrown in there and plays like that. Um, on defense, their defensive end, Lonnie Phelps, 28 tackles and six sacks on the year. Their defense has 16 sacks compared to OU's 14 on the year. The only thing I'll say about Oklahoma is they've only had, they have, they have 14 sacks and only one in the last three games. So it shows you how prevalent Oklahoma was at getting to the quarterback in the first three games and how abysmal they've been getting it to him at the last three games. It's like everything switched up once the conference play started. It's like two different seasons for you. Up is down, left is right, in is out. It is it, it is freaking crazy right now to be an Oklahoma fan and try to understand this team. But Kansas is not the game is not the team we want to try to understand it against. I would much rather be playing an Iowa State game who is not good on the offensive side of the ball. Baylor, who is not great on the offensive side of the ball. I would even West Virginia is not great on the offensive side of the ball. No. no, we get freaking Kansas, and it should be a get-right game. And I'm afraid, Kevin, it's a it's a be scared game because I am scared to death that we are going to lose our first four conference games. And I don't know that's got to be a record for Oklahoma, at least going back to the '90s under Blake. It is freaking me the freak out. I, I don't know what is tech. What do you think about this matchup? I think you better hope Dylan Gabriel's back. And that he's right. Right. That's exactly, I mean, it's all about the offense. It. The offense can be very explosive when he's playing. Right. For all his faults. I know he missed some, misses some throws when he's going to his right, whatever. Bottom line is though, when he's out there, it's a total, totally different offense, totally different team. Um, If DG's playing, we've got a chance. It And, He's got to get Mims involved again. Mims has to touch the ball more than he did against UT. Uh, Braden Willis continues to be an asset. We got to work him into the game. Farouk, I thought, had a great uh, – I, I say a great game. As good a game as anybody had against Texas, Farouk looked really good. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Stoops has not had the opportunities, but those are your four guys that he's got to engage. 
But even more to the point, and I've said it a thousand times, so I don't want to belabor the point. Levy, commit to the freaking run, dude. You've got to commit to the run against this Kansas team. You cannot let them just tee off on the quarterback. I just said it right here, 16 sacks. One of their defensive ends got 60 or six sacks on the on the season already. We've got to run the ball to get the pressure off Gabriel for him to be then be able to put it in the hands of his playmakers. Yeah, and test how disciplined they are too. Yeah, run some misdirection stuff. They tried that against Texas, a couple of uh, you know, jet sweep reverses, and Texas was able to stay at home on them and never let them get to the edge. But test that defense for Kansas and see, you know, how disciplined they are in covering the, plays like that. Kevin, the line is minus nine. This is the first time all year I'm going against OU. I am picking Kansas to cover the spread. And I'm picking Kansas to win the game. I say Kansas wins the game. And I, I'm I'm doing this twofold. One, in a, in a vain attempt to hope that my opinion does something to somehow reverse psychologize this whole situation and give us the win. The okay. other reason I'm picking it is because I really think Kansas is actually really good. And I think Oklahoma at this point is really bad. I don't know how, I don't even know another way to say it. What, what do we have to see, Kevin, over the last three games? What have we seen over the last three games that makes us think we can beat a team with a winning record right now? I, I haven't seen it. Not much, nothing, yeah. nothing anybody's shown me. I hope I'm wrong. I got Kansas. What do you have? OU is favored by nine. I've got Kansas covering. Do you have Kansas winning? No. But it's but you had to think about it though, right? I mean, you were like it's, oh, yeah. yeah. It is not it is not a for real deal. Yeah. And I, I don't I'm not even trying to be funny. I am I am worried about this Kansas game. This is the exact kind of quarterback that's going to give Oklahoma trouble. He's smart. He's going to put the ball in the right spots. We've got to play disciplined defense, but more importantly, we have to get to him. We have to get to him in the backfield. I've seen nothing to indicate that we will. But if we can change our attack and get to them, we got a chance. Tell us yeah, about. What I'm curious to see oh, go ahead. before we go on. Sure. Is that what's the mindset of the team going to be like? Right. I know teams going to come out fired up in the locker room. What happens if KU goes right down the field and scores, and you then know, you guys get and go three and out? Is the team going to fold? I felt like that happened against Texas. I felt like you know it got to the point where. You know, it seemed like OU was just waiting for the game to be over with, running the ball, going down by four scores. So I got a couple thoughts on that. I think, um, I think if Gabriel is your quarterback, it, I don't think that quit factor shows up at least on the offensive side of the ball. He okay. seems to be a really solid leader, um, and I think the guys are going to rally around him. But I, but I talked about this with a couple buddies of mine this week about the conversations that I imagine, I don't know anything about, I don't obviously anything inside, but the conversations that if I'm the coach, I'm having with key players, okay? And I'm thinking about Marvin Mims. I'm thinking about Braden Willis. Uh, I'm thinking about guys on defense, Deshaun White. Um, Really nobody else has really stood out to me defensively. Woody Washington, though is I'm thinking what all of our team goals are probably not going to be met. Okay. 
But for you guys that are have a real shot at playing in the NFL, you have to play these six games as if it is a job interview every single time you go out. That to me, have good tape. that to me is going to be the best motivator. Like Marvin Mims has to be one of the most frustrated football players in the country right now because he, and, and you think about it, right? He makes the decision to stay and give this offense a chance and give this team a chance. And, Oh, you should freaking bow down to a player like Marvin Mims who could have transferred. He had to have his pick of schools, but he stayed he in here. Yeah. He stayed in here and he said, I'm going to work. It sucks for him. But he has the opportunity to continue to put tape out there and maybe get into the second round of the NFL draft. He's not a he's not a first round draft pick at this point. Am I right? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. But well, he could go. He could go second. He could go second round, though, right? Ability in the return game as well. So I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me. You just never know. But yeah, he's got to go in the second round. He needs to secure that spot in the second round. It's just that simple, and that's the conversation I'm having with him. With Braden Willis, it's the same conversation. You could have transferred. We owe you. The University of Oklahoma owes you. Me as a coaching staff owe everything you've brought. Maybe our team goals aren't going to be met. It doesn't look like they will. You are play if if you don't want to play for the team, play for yourself. And I don't think that's it. Doesn't have to be that. Doesn't have to be a selfish motivation. I think you can do all the right things, but still play for yourself and put yourself in a position to to look good for the league. And I think those are real motivators. Correct. And you know, I think these guys are competitors too. Right. I thought Braden Willis played really hard against Texas. You know, yeah. and Marvin Mims, he just does what he does. So I think with Gabriel being back, right? I mean, I think he's going to be the guy, right? He's every yeah. pretty much every play is going to look for Mims first, right? He's that good of a player. So I think he's going to be anxious to show, hey, look, you know, I'm back. I think we're back. Let's go do this. I think where you got to worry about a, a give up factor is on the defensive side of the ball, um, and it's. It's just if they if they get knocked in the mouth, I, I think that is a question that obviously we got knocked in the mouth at Kansas, we got knocked in the mouth at TCU, and did not respond, uh, even K State. Um, and so, I, I think that's the real concern for this team. I don't have the answer, Kevin. I I don't, and I don't know that anybody does. I don't think Brent Venables has the answer. Um, but if somebody does and they figure out how to step up, then they can beat Kansas. They are a more talented football team than Kansas, but. I don't know. This week's going to be tough. Okay, let's shift south to Austin. Again, can Texas live up to expectations? This should be an easy win for Texas. This should set them up going into Oklahoma State. Does Texas take care of business against Iowa State? You know, I think they do. Um, Iowa State does some really good things defensively. They're really the pioneers of this whole three-deep safety look. We talked about OU running some of it. Um, against Texas last week. They're kind of the pioneers of that. Um, what it does, it, it prevents the deep shots, but it also, they put those safeties in a position where they can come up and fill against the run and cover the underneath stuff too. It really gave Sark a lot of trouble last year when they went up to Ames. So it'll be curious to see if he's learned from that and what he, he dials up. I think Texas having Quinn Ewers kind of gives him a, an advantage with his ability to make you know, just kind of crazy throws, even <laughs> with good coverage. 
So, so Oklahoma fan used to always gripe about Iowa State rushing three, dropping eight. Is yeah. is that is that a real is that an accurate description of what Iowa State's doing though? Are they are they truly rushing three, dropping eight? And yeah, if they will and, bring the occasional linebacker blitz though. Okay, but hold on. Let me let me so keep it there. So if what uh, if what you're saying is true that that's a that's a real thing they're 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 rushing three dropping eight what is preventing Texas or any team but specifically Texas from just running the crap out of Bijan Robinson against those three why why is the run game still so difficult to execute against this Iowa State defense well it's kind of crazy because the safeties they kind of leave them almost they almost stand still for a while. So they're able to still fit the run without getting beat over the top. It's kind of weird how they do it. Most of the time when the snap comes, the safeties almost drop back, but they just kind of stay put and let the play develop, and they're able to crash downhill quickly and and stop the running game. It's weird. The linebackers are really good. They're really physical too. So I think Texas can still run against them with Bijan and Roshan. I think they can control the clock. And I think there'll be room under the middle. Those linebackers will have trouble covering the intermediate stuff. Just like we saw with OU, they prevented the deep shots, but they just controlled the middle of the field, specifically with Whittington and Jatavian Sanders. So I look for more of that. And then, you know, I'm hoping for a big game from Bichon and or Roshan. I think if Quinn can be as patient as he was against Oklahoma, this should be a, this should be an easy win for Texas. Because uh, you know, I just they do have a better pass rush. They have a better pass rush than OU has had. Oh, you think? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the um, <laughs> but the difference is um, they they got Will McDonald right, who's been around forever. I think he's almost close to breaking the Big 12's all time sack record. That's how long he's been around. But um. He can get pressure, but if Texas can protect, and they've been they've done a good job of protecting all year, if Texas can protect, I think they can find some space in that um in that zone to hit uh, Jatavian Sanders, Whittington, and make some plays in the running game with Bijan. Is the defense is Texas's defense just looking their chops getting to go up against Iowa State? I mean, they they I don't know has Iowa State has Iowa State broken twenty points yet this year offensively? You know, I don't know if they have, but if so, it's not by much. They they really struggle. I mean, they lost. Look who they lost last year: Brees Hall, who, who's doing great in the NFL so far. Charlie Kolar, yeah. remember the tight end from Norman? Mm-hmm. Um, he was a great player for them for years. So, and then of course Brock Purdy, who was seemed like he was there for seven years, right? He's he's finally gone now. So I think they're just struggling to replace all those talented players. So it, it's definitely been a struggle for them. So yeah, I think the Texas defensive line is is pretty excited about going up against that defense. I think it, it, this is more about Texas, right? Are they going to have the right mindset and just go out and handle business and get the win and get ready well, to still water next week? No, ex- you know, because here's the problem is this is the clock. This is a, a classic trap game, right? Because you just came off an emotional historic victory over your arc tribal. You in, in the following week, you could be playing a top five team. I mean, Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State wins, they could be a top five team. Right? I mean, especially if Bama loses. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they yeah, could be a top I mean, five team. Yeah, so that, 
Yeah, if they win, they're in the top five, I think. Yeah, and so it's just – that is a – Iowa State is a classic trap game, and it's what has given Texas trouble for years and years and years is losing stupid games that they shouldn't lose. Um, I find it hard to believe they'll lose this game. I'm not going to pick them to lose. In fact, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to make my pick right now. Texas covers um, just because I don't think Iowa State has the offense. But this is an example of what Sarkeesian has to do to make sure this team continues to turn the corner. I don't know. Am I wrong? What do you have? You have Texas covering? No, I, I do have Texas winning. I, I do have them covering as well. I think um, they'll find enough plays to make against that defense. And I don't see how – I don't see much from the Iowa State offense. So I think it should be a comfortable win. I mean, I think it will be close maybe for the first half. I think Texas will pull away. Yeah, I just like Texas in this matchup. I just don't think Iowa State has the firepower at all. Their defense is good, but Texas is it, it, again. If if Quinn can be patient and they can continue to feed Bijan, I don't know that you'll beat Iowa State over the over the top with Xavier Worthy. But if they can kill him with a with a million pin pricks underneath, I think Texas wins this easy. No arguments for me on that. All right, man. All right, so to recap, today get ready for Oklahoma State. To recap, you have Bama because you're a Bama lover and a Bama homer, and you love Alabama and you love Nick Saban, and you wish that oh, yeah. you were a Bama fan instead of a Texas fan. I've got Tennessee because I'm a fan of college football and want to see parity. So that's what you're dealing with here, folks, on the BBP. Um, we both have Kansas. You've got OU winning. I've got Kansas winning, and then we both have Texas. Uh, you are. What was your 10 and 10 and I'm eight and 12. So I got to make a run at this um, really for Oklahoma and Texas. It's uh, it's going to be a fascinating weekend because I think we're going to see a lot of what we can expect from this team going out. If Oklahoma can regroup, if they can somehow write the ship, I think they set themselves up to at least finish strong in a season that has been very tumultuous for Texas. If they can win big, it tells you they are a team to be reckoned with in the Big 12, and it sets up a monumental matchup in Stillwater next weekend. Um, I do want to give a shout-out before I leave. Um, You know, the weather has just been fantastic, Kevin. And so we were out at soccer practice today, and this this is what – I think what when you think about, like, future athletes, it's – you don't – you can't identify the talent at these young ages. But you can identify these kids that are like putting work in. Okay. So there's this kid out there, and his dad has the baseball net set up. He's got the T in front of it. And he's literally, because he's got to be all the way down here for his sister's soccer practice, right? Most kids I know are out messing around. They're on their stupid phone. They're running around doing stupid stuff with their friends, whatever. It doesn't matter. Not this kid. This kid's putting work in, right? And it's just swing after swing off the tee into the net. And it looks good. The swing is on plane. He needs to work on his balance. He gets a little heavy on the front foot. He's kind of leaning too much. But it looks really, really good. So I just want to tell this kid, a faithful listener of the BBP, keep it up. Keep putting work in. None of the achievements that you make this year on the baseball diamond is going to get you to college. It's the work that you put in. It's the reps that you put in. And it's listening to the BBP that is going to make you a successful person in life. Am I wrong about that, Kevin? 
Oh, that's the biggest factor for sure. That's the biggest factor. Listen to the BBP. You will be successful. Kevin, this is going to be a great week. I'm fired up. Boomer. Welcome. Okay.